Welcome to IT Visionaries, created by The Mission, your number one source for accelerated learning. On this episode of IT Visionaries, Ian chats with Layla Seca, Executive Vice President of Mobile at Salesforce. Layla shares with us how she got her start with Salesforce, the way brands will win in the coming years, and her thoughts on mobile as the fourth industrial revolution. We hope you enjoy the episode. IT Visionaries is brought to you by the Lightning Platform by Salesforce. The Lightning Platform is a leading cloud platform that makes building AI-powered apps faster and easier. With Salesforce, now everyone is empowered to build apps for their organization. Learn more at salesforce.com slash build apps. Welcome to another episode of IT Visionaries. We have a special guest. We're not in studio today. Normally, we're in studio. I'm standing right behind a princess who's pointing a gun at me. We're in 50 Fremont Street here in Salesforce West, and I have a special guest. Layla, what's going on? Not much, Ian. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. So we're actually in Layla's office, and she has cutouts of Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher in Star Wars, life-size cutouts pointing blasters at us. It's pretty great. Star Wars is my jam. I have Star Wars all over the place if I can help it. <laughs> and I, I have, we have uh, R2D2, one of the little Sphero droids. We have that in our studio. And so I love it. Those are the best. All right. So today we're going to talk about mobile. Obviously, you know, mobile has been a huge part of the fourth industrial revolution. We have, you know, a ton of things that have happened with mobile over the past few years, but more importantly, there's a long way to go, and we kind of want to hear some of those secrets. Totally. Let me tell you a little bit about myself first, just to set the context. So I've worked at Salesforce for 11 years. I've been here a long time. The lion's share of that time I spent building out the App Exchange. So really thinking about how the Salesforce platform extended and how other companies could build interesting solutions around our core products and our core platform. And I think when I think about why I sort of made the mood to mobile recently and why I'm doing this, it's partially because there's something very similar going on in mobile. These days, every customer is thinking about how to create branded customer experiences for their customers on a mobile device. Let's just think about this last week, right? It was Cyber Monday two days ago. I'm embarrassed at how much money I spent on that day. I think a lot of people are, but I spent the lion's share of my time looking around on my telephone, right? And when you think to statistics, they're saying that we're spending over three and a half hours on our phones a day, and we're constantly sort of paying attention to how the experience is viewed on a mobile device. That is a very exciting prospect for Salesforce right now and for our customers specifically. So that's really why I wanted to come and focus my energies on the mobile platform and how we're going to think about mobile for the next 10 years of Salesforce. Yeah, and it's something we really haven't talked about yet on IT Visionaries other than kind of at the periphery. This is a new age for mobile app development. And if you're building apps, you need to be building for mobile. And part of what IT leaders are experiencing right now, why we wanted to have you on, is that there's a huge delta in the mobile development skills. Like we we know that we're short on developers like across the globe, like that nail has been beaten down pretty hard, but specifically mobile developers is something that, you know, a lot of the CIOs and IT leaders that are listening to us are probably nodding along. And, you know, Salesforce, obviously, you know, our sponsor is Lightning Platform, so shout out to them. But I think that as we look at how mobile is changing and how these apps are changing and how they shape your world, it needs to be a huge focus of CIOs, right? 
Totally. I, I mean, you know, I, there's this notion of those, this, like there's a 50% deficit in mobile developers by 2020. All IT leaders are going to find themselves in that situation. I myself running the mobile team, I'm always looking for great mobile developers, you know, and, and so trying to figure out. <laughs> so yeah, everyone mission, is. Right? But I think what's going to really start to shift here is we're going to stop calling people out as mobile developers. They're just going to be developers. In fact, I think the laptop is going the way of the dodo bird in no time, right? And in fact, what we'll be starting to expect from mobile is really a voice oriented experience. If you look at, I'll just look at the way I live in my personal life with Alexa. I no longer turn on the stereo. I no longer turn on the light. I mean, these are things that I thought I would do all my life. Now I simply say, Alexa, play Bob Dylan and boom, Bob Dylan starts playing in my house and the lights go on. Like, And that's now become normal. My children think that's normal, which is insane, right? It was like Judy Jetson for me back in the day. So when we think about that in the context of business, right, and especially businesses that are trying very hard to put their customer at the nucleus of what they do, you have to consider the fact that your customer is mainly going to interact with your brand on the phone whether that be on a social site like Instagram or Twitter, whether that be in an app that you're providing to them natively to give them a particular experience. But you have to really consider that fact. And then you have to consider how you want to optimize that experience, right? It's not simply that it looks beautiful on a mobile device and that it forms well. All of that will be expected and candidly is expected at this point in the game. But it'll become more about the experience you want the customer to have. So you're going to need to get to the customer data. Right. And that's where Salesforce has a unique proposition that other companies don't have. We are the customer data master. We have the information about your customer there. And with the Lightning platform, specifically the mobile capabilities we're putting in there and we'll continue to put in there over the next year, you now have the ability to create really rich applications that are mobile, that are native, that are going back and leveraging that key customer data to optimize the experience so that it's incredibly personalized for the human, right? When I go to my phone, I expect my phone to know me, right? If I go on my mother's phone, I'm like, oh, this thing's terrible and nothing works, like everything's so big, whatever that, you know. But your phone is a really personal extension of who you are and the brands that will win in the next 10 years are the ones that know how to talk to you through your phone. Can I tell you something really funny? So we have some younger employees, like below the age of 21 employees at the mission. And they're awesome. Shout out to all of you. But it was really funny. We were looking at our phones. We we're on an offsite and all of the younger employees had like way less apps, like way, way, way less apps. Nothing on page two or page three or page four, right? You know, I, I needed one of them to download Yelp because we needed to look for a place to eat. And I heard from the backseat like, ah. Why do you care? Like, well, now I need to download again. Like, you just had it downloaded yesterday. Like, yeah, I deleted it. Like, why did you delete it? It's like, oh, it clutters up my phone. I see, and I feel the same way. I have a really interesting relationship with my phone where like my kids sometimes download stuff and it shows up on my phone, whatever. This is like my personal phone. It's its own little drama. But I literally go in there and delete all of the stuff. I only like two screens of icons. And that's with like all the work ones too. And it takes work to keep it at that. But I do, sometimes I feel overwhelmed if there are too many app icons. So I relate to some of, I mean, I love my millennials, right? The people that work for me that are much younger than me because they constantly are forcing me to think about the experience in a different way, right? I just accept that like, oh, it's going to look like that. Oh, I'm going to have to sort of tolerate this. This is what the interface is. Whereas, you know, younger people who've had their telephone in their pocket all their life won't tolerate that. But think about, I mean, think about the implication of the of the IT leader or the technologist or CTO or whoever it is that spends all this effort 
money, energy, marketing to get the app download as like their leading metric, right? Like, hey, we need app downloads. And you have people that are intentionally, you know, who potentially love your app that just, you know, auto uninstall, right? You lose all your push notifications, you lose all that sort of stuff. So I think that the way that those things are happening in the future, you think about that barrier to entry. Well, voice is the perfect example of like, you don't uninstall voice, right? Like, but then how do you get push notifications? So I, I just think that there's so many layers to how mobile is going to change, especially as younger people are adopting it more. Completely. I, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. Like I myself, I'm really moody about who I let give me notifications on my phone. Totally. Right? I'm really particular. I'm really particular about who I follow on social media and how many people I follow. It's actually a number because I've realized after a certain point, then it just gets a little overwhelming for me. But like these choices on your phone are going to be sort of the place where you make them. I, the way I see it coming from the telephone's perspective is like telephone. I shouldn't really call it that anymore. I think that's my old, that's like my old piece. Alexander Graham Bell would be very amusing. Let me tell you, mobile's come a long way. But, uh, you know, I think that this point, that getting back to that rich experience, people won't take the app off their phone if they love the interaction, if they're interested in it. I have some apps on my phone that probably wouldn't make sense to anyone, but the way the information is delivered to me is valuable, right? And I like it. I need it. It may not make sense to others, but it does to me. When you think about this in a business context, like when you think about how to engage your employees with applications, that's an interesting point too. We What we did great at Salesforce, and I've been here a long time, is we built a great product. It's great. It helps you sell. It helps you do a better job with your customers. It helps you market. It helps you understand what your customers want better than anything ever had before. I mean, it really changed the game like that. When you think about how you want to create an experience for your employee, you want them to get in the app and feel that level of value. So you have to create it in a way that's going to let them have some say in how the information is brought to them. Like, do they want it feed first? Do they want to look at a dashboard? I, for one, love the Salesforce mobile app because it's all, my experience is very tailored to me. I get in there, I look at my dashboards, I look at the things that are relevant to me, anything that's pressing and approval or something that I need to do, sort of pipeline, things that are front and center for me is the way I've configured the mobile app for me. And then it makes it a work tool that I'm drawn to, right? Which is what I think most IT leaders are trying to do right now. You're trying to create experiences that engage your employees and then take it one step further. You're really trying to think as a company, how do we create an experience that engages our customer? So mobile is the way to do that. And the reason why Salesforce is different is you don't have to be a completely programmatic, unbelievable mobile developer. You can do a lot of this work declaratively. You can create a really rich, awesome mobile experience for an employee or a customer without being a full-blown iOS developer. You know, of course, we still need those and we still need Android, but we know these things aren't going away. And to do amazing stuff, we always want to look to extend that way. But there's a lot of capability that people can create declaratively with Salesforce to create really rich mobile experiences. One of the things that's interesting back, you know, as you look at how the desktop changes, all of the things that when you'd hit that start button, you know, back in the day and the thing pops up on the left-hand side, you're looking through all those programs. All those programs now are applications. All those applications can be built by the person sitting next to you in the office. Like that is such a difference in a lot of different ways. Like number one, you don't need to go buy it, you know, from someone else. You can just build it yourself, which is like the buy or build thing is fun. We've talked about citizen development a ton on, on the show, but it obviously empowers the workforce and all of that. But the other thing is it allows that tailoring that you were talking about 
with mobile and it's everywhere with you on the go. So now, you know, it's not lost in something. It's much more easily searchable. Everything is all search on all of this stuff now anyways, and it can be tailored. Do you think internally wise, like these applications, I think that this is kind of like the dawn of IT leaders and companies being able to say internally, we have a suite of applications that we're creating and constantly shifting and using and editing every day rather than just buying as many you know, off-the-shelf technologies. I think it's an amalgamation, right? So I ran the app exchange at Salesforce for the lion's share of a decade. So I helped create a lot of those businesses that built those amazing applications. And again, the paradigm was very similar. They extended into very particular use cases that made a lot of sense for the problems they were trying to solve. I think mobile is that on a sort of grand scale, right? You're trying to create something where everyone can personalize it enough so that it's meaningful to them, but where it all is leveraging data in a really consolidated way so that you can derive the insights you need. So I think that there are gonna be some apps that IT leaders are gonna wanna build, right? I just do. I think there's some stuff that we build at Salesforce that's very internal for us, but you know, the events app, my team builds that app. That's because we have a very serious way we do events and we, we, we wanna be able to create a very personalized experience around that. And it's mobile first and all of that. There, there's an example, right? But we use a lot of software, a lot of software from the app exchange, a lot from different companies in order to optimize our business as well. I think that's sort of a personal decision, but I think that it's no longer a day, the IT leader is gonna create mobile apps. They're doing it now, they're gonna be asked to do more of it. And the question is going to be, how do they want to go about doing it, right? Because it is expensive to just staff up pure programmatic mobile developers, although they're amazing and it's awesome and it's super fun and you need some of those as well. But you know, there are ways to create very specific experiences around mobile that can meet your customer base. Like one of the women in our community is a woman named Cheryl Feldman, and she's awesome. She taught herself Salesforce. She used to be a hairdresser. Now she's a VP at a company, and she spends a lot of time creating mobile experiences on the Salesforce platform for her team, right? And they are teams of people doing all different types of things. So one has sort of a sales flavor and one has a service flavor, but she's created these, and she's not a Swift developer, right? She's not a Java developer. She's a declarative admin and and a real good one, right? But she's managed to do that. And that's been something that's really led her company's adoption of Salesforce and the ability to get better metrics around that. So I do think you're going to see more and more sort of citizen developers or the, you know, the awesome admin type of folks coming online and starting to create mobile experiences around particular business problems. Because to your point, like, very few people carry their laptops around. Like I asked a question at an executive team meeting the other day, who travels with their laptop? And half the room raised their hand, which was pretty interesting, right? Because if you'd asked that question five years ago, are you crazy? And no one walks anywhere without their laptop. And so the shift has begun. And so I do think that it's sort of, we're gonna start to see the push towards mobile and the companies that are thinking about how to optimize those experiences and personalize them are the ones that are gonna win. Other than than the downside that all of our thumbs are going to have carpal tunnel, like that, well, we need to solve that. But uh, it's it is remarkable how many executives like just go on business or throughout their day and and don't have a computer ever anymore. I've and, tried it. I I've done oh, it yeah, a I couple do it all times. The time. And it's always I always at one moment I'm always like, oh, I wish I had my computer for a hot second. But then I figure out a way to get it done. Right. 
I think that this is the future, right? And and we may have carpal tunnel in our thumbs, but our backs aren't going to hurt from carrying laptops around, you know? Like, I, I just think this is, technology is amazing, right? Technology is, the iPhone is only 12 years old, right? I know. It's really not that old. Like, I remember when it came out, because I had my first kid that year. It's And, uh, and now I can't imagine not having my phone. I, I would lose my mind without my iPhone, my pictures, my music, everything I do during the day. So let's think about what 10 years are going to look like in the business world around how we're going to view mobility and think about mobility and what our expectations of mobility are going to be there. And even transcending not just the work, but how are we going to engage people with disabilities? Think about what voice does to someone that can't see, right? How empowering that's going to be for them, how that's going to shift the way they can do their work. I mean, that that's an interesting and amazing responsibility and problem to think through as we ponder what mobile is going to look like in the future and how voice is going to come online. Like we launched Einstein Voice this year at Dreamforce and already the uptick we've seen in usage and people interacting with the, with the application in a different way and data coming in in a different way. It's going to make everything even richer, which is a pretty amazing thing to ponder. Yeah. And I think people... Generally speaking, you have, you know, that that early adopter wave and then you have kind of once it settles in for everybody else. I think we underestimate how large of a group of people there are across the world that are, especially in business, that are kind of clutching on to some legacy systems. And that kind of dam is going to break in the next 10 years for sure. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, you and I were chatting before we started the program, but I have a lot of millennials that work for me and I love them, right? Because they shift my expectations. They always make me think bigger. People don't want to carry clunky devices around. People want their business applications to tell them what the next best action is. They want help, right? I get made fun of all the time for my Chromebook and holding it up for, this is bad radio, but uh, I'm, I'm holding it up, but it's like literally tiny. It's this like tiny little thing. And I get made fun of all the time by everyone at my company, mostly because I don't use screen cleaner nearly enough. Uh, <laughs> but that's another story. But yeah, I mean, even stuff like this, which is so, I mean, it's not, it's not too far off from a mobile device, right? Totally. It's like more or less. One of the things that I, I think is really interesting with building applications for all of, all of these things is that you have this like kind of, you know, the shadow IT that we talk about. One of the things that I find really interesting when we talk to a lot of CIOs is that these applications are being built, I'm putting that in air quotes, mm. through shadow IT, whether it's in a sheet or a doc or a slide or whatever it is. They're building things that are not in an application and it can't be looked at by the CIO and it can't be coordinated. Like the shadow IT builders... They're building applications. They're just not in an app yet. What do you think about just this idea of bringing things into a collaborative and like open environment for mobile? Because I think one of the changes that mobile most easily brings in is the ability to collaborate in real time. Yeah. I mean, I, and while you were saying that, I was thinking, I think maybe some CIOs should think about enabling the shadow IT orgs, right? Mm -hmm. So what about us, you know, and with with a declarative platform like Lightning, that's, that's something you can do on the mobile side as well. But what about allowing those people to solve their business problems in a way that you feel like you have good control over how the data is captured, that everything's secure? I mean, there, of course, you want to make sure of all these types of things. But I think that we're past the day where one group can serve everyone's technology needs. 
it's just too big. That's too big a task for one team to take on. Like, I think it's a, it's a group wide effort. So IT of course needs to maintain like regulations and standards and security and compliance and building high quality applications. All of that is a lot, a lot of work and they have to maintain most of the main systems. But I do think there are scenarios like Cheryl's, for example, where she's simply making processes move quicker because they, you know, she helps the data move through, through the mobile device, through voice, what have you. I think that we want to see more of that. We want to enable the business leaders to make their processes run more effectively as long as they adhere to the rules and capture the information correctly. So, I mean, I think mobile is sort of going to be the forefront of that because that'll be the container, right? Like all of a sudden I was having this conversation with my husband the other day, like, apps are going to become your, the, your app is your phone. And he was like, what do you mean? I was like, that's the container now. Like that's going to be, if you, if people shift their thinking and start building for the phone versus for the app or the, this or the, that all of a sudden we're going to have a lot more influx of technology and different stuff coming in. So the CIO needs to be well-prepared to sort of manage what that looks like and make sure no, like I'm going to skip a step doesn't end up hurting the company or doing something bad. I think the relationship is going to shift yet again, and mobile will be at the forefront of that. So what are you most excited about going forward with mobile, specifically mobile at Salesforce and, and kind of the broader picture of like, obviously launching lightning platform, mobile, all of that. Like, what are the things that you wake up in the morning like, man, I, I can't believe we get to tackle this problem. <laughs> I mean, I'm very excited about mobile. I really, I said this earlier, but I really don't think we're going to talk about mobile developers as something stand alone anymore. I think mobile developers are going to be the developers in not too long a time. I, I just believe that this is the new form factor. This is the way we're going to start interacting with data. And if you are ever on a bus or on an airplane or sitting in any public place, you see very quickly that everyone is heads down on their telephone. That that means that we have a unique opportunity to create great experiences for those people when they're doing that, right? And I think on the business side, we've begun to crack the code, but I think Salesforce has a unique opportunity by having this declarative mobile platform, by being the customer data master. We have all of the pieces to allow very seasoned iOS and Android developers to build amazingly rich programmatic experiences. But we also have the ability for uh, admin to create a great mobile experience to speed up their sales team in getting collecting data. So. I think for us, and when I think about what I get to do, it's really unlocking that capability for our customers so that they can reach their customers. And I think we've hit that inflection point where mobile's ready to do that now. So I'm pretty fired up about that. Switching gears a little bit, you are famous for being an Aggie. <laughs> uh, my brother is also an Aggie. <sighs> I have spent many, many days at uh, UC Davis, including at in the whatever quarto dorms they're definitely not around anymore <laughs> so you know you started you started your career after uc davis and you've had a really interesting history of kind of this start of what became the equal pay initiative and i'd just love to learn more about you know how you were involved in that and kind of championing that and and just that story sure so it was about maybe five years ago now when I, I'd worked here for a long time. I'd been on the app exchange for a long time. I was sort of ready for a change. And so I started looking around and was thinking about a change. And at about the same time, Mark Benioff had started, Sheryl Sandberg had come out with her book Lean In that year. And Mark had started 
paying attention to the fact that the makeup of our meetings happened to be mostly, you know, white, older men. And he wanted to change that. So he started a program called the Women's Surge, which essentially a group of us that were high potential female executives inside the company started getting invited to the meetings and invited to the offsites. And so I was one of those people. I was lucky enough to do that. And my friend, Cindy, who I've been friends with for a long time, she also was part of that. And because of that program, we both got promoted. She now runs all of HR for Salesforce and has for quite a long time. And I got promoted to run Desk, which was a small business customer support app we were running. So that happened and we were both really excited. It was sort of what we'd always wanted to do. But we started spending some time together and thinking about how we wanted to do more. And I had always had a particular thought that maybe we the women weren't getting paid the same as the men. It really fosters from a couple of like distinct conversations, namely one about how everyone was buying a Tesla and I wasn't. But there was a whole bunch of conversation about this. And mostly Cindy and I spent a lot of time talking about this. Is this really going on? What's happening? So we worked hard on it. She got promoted to be the head of HR and she had a one-on-one with Mark that she invited me to. And at that one-on-one, we presented a plan to him where we said, hey, we think this is happening. And he was like, no way, that's not our company. And we were like, nope, it's not our company, but we still sort of think this might be happening. And this is where Mark Benioff is amazing because he said, let's take a look, which I don't think most CEOs of public companies would have done that. So Mark deserves a huge amount of credit for doing that. But he said, take a look. And then Cindy went about the process of taking a look. And we found out that we had about a $3 million pay discrepancy. And so they corrected that. And then we did it again the next year. And again, we had about a $3 million pay discrepancy. And it's now become the part of the DNA of our company, right? And it really started us on our efforts around equality. And it, it ultimately led to Tony Profit joining Salesforce and starting Team Equality with Molly Ford, who worked on Equal Pay with me and Cindy. So, you know, I'm really proud of a lot of things I've done in my career, but definitely this is probably one of the things I'm most proud of. I thought it was so interesting when all of the Hollywood stuff was kind of coming out around Equal Pay. And I kind of like cringed a little bit because I'm like, man, if we're taking, if we need to be taking cues from Hollywood on some of this stuff of like, oh, maybe, you know, male and female actresses aren't getting, you know, paid the same amount. I'm like, Hollywood is the most extreme example of who knows what, how those deals are structured, right? And we work with, you know, we work with actors and actresses here at the mission. So disclosure on that. But it's truly like total black box. Like corporate America should not be huge black box, right? Right, but I think it, I mean, I think it was. It was, and, and, and it I, still is. And I think it's, I think it's opening. I mean, and I really give Mark and Cindy a lot of credit for that. You know, no one had ever done a pay audit before and she sort of figured out how to do that like that at scale. And Mark, to do that, to say yes to us, I remember my mom was all jacked up, like, what'd he say? What'd he say? And I was like, he said yes. So, but you know, we were we were nervous going in. I, I think we have a lot of work to do as a society. There's no question about that. And we definitely have a lot of work to do in technology. And we still have a lot of work to do at Salesforce. Like there's no finish line on this, but I am very proud to work for a company that's trying so hard to make it a better place. And and I don't see that everywhere until Silicon Valley right now. And one of the things you've talked about, you know, at length is just taking ownership of your career. And it kind of just seems, obviously you've been at Salesforce for a long time, but it seems like you've had a clear kind of distinction of being a being a parent, being an employee, being a spouse, all of these things 
can be achieved through kind of hard work, dedication, not giving up all of that. Just talk through the way that you've kind of structured your career to be successful and to be the full picture of, I don't necessarily know if work-life balance is something that that sentence should even like ever be uttered, to be fully honest. Kind of just doesn't really make sense. But it seems like you kind of have a pretty good barometer. You're sweet. I don't feel like I do at all. So that's probably where this all starts is all of us feel like we do bad at this. And I agree with you on the work-life balance. What a silly phrase. I don't think it makes sense. It's like, it's a scale to some degree, but sometimes certain parts of your life need more and sometimes other parts of your life need more. I definitely spent time early in my career too focused on work made mistakes shouldn't shouldn't have I missed my kids first trip to Europe still feel bad about that you know I've made decisions that I shouldn't have necessarily made but I do think that a lot of this comes down to being honest with yourself and I think for me the thing I probably didn't realize sooner like I am the type of person like I set my I'm super competitive I set my eyes on a goal and I'm like I'm gonna hit it like no matter what it takes I mean I think the interesting thing is you move through your career is your goals change But you sort of said, oh, I was going to do that. So I got to stick with that. But actually, wait, maybe no, I don't really want to do that anymore. Maybe like for a while I was like, oh, I want to be a CEO. I do not want to be a CEO, (laughs) right? And not on my list of things to do right now, right? But at the time, that was something that I thought. And now my my kids are a little older. I'm sort of enjoying spending time with them. Like, isn't that funny though? I think it shifts. But I I think I think that it could very well be that I wake up in two years and I'm like, I'm going to be a CEO. Like. I lived in too many extremes earlier in my career, and I think that helped me stay focused and get things done. But I also think there's something to be said for riding with the change a little bit and understanding that. That said, I did work really hard, and I did set my sights on a lot of goals, and I decided I wanted to be a this and a be a that and do a this. And a lot of that I did through planning, and a lot of that I did with help. I think one of the things people don't do enough is ask. You know, oftentimes, like, I'll sit down and say to people, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, of course, they're, like, 30-year-old, you know, 40-year-old people. We're all grown up. But the point is I'm trying to get to a, a more base-level conversation, which is, like, what's important to you? What do you care about? Is, do you care about going home and having dinner with your kids? Is that super important? Or do you guys eat breakfast together so dinner doesn't matter? Or do you – meals don't matter? Or, or do you want to be the CEO? Or do you want to be the CMO? Or trying to just have those conversations with people, I think – gives you some clarity of vision. It's easy to run with the herd in Silicon Valley and just assume you're going for the next, bigger, next, bigger, next, bigger. Sometimes that's not always the right way to go. Yeah, I think it's funny too that people a lot of times scapegoat populations of people, whether that's like millennials or baby boomers or like, you know, whatever it is, on this idea that blank wants to do blank or that, you know, this is this is what the, those those people are doing when in reality, like generally young people like to live near each other on top of each other in cities, you know, meeting new people, doing all that sort of stuff. Whereas as you get older, your priorities change. And I think that there's this kind of need for young people to say, like, to kind of set the like, I want to be a CEO or I want to be this or I want to be that. And I think specifically in technology, like you said, the iPhone didn't exist 12 years ago and like the entire world changed. It's going to change even more over the next 12 years. So grounding yourself in in the fact that you know that innovation is going to happen around you and if you want to be part of it, then it's going to be a pretty fun ride is probably the way to go. Right. And also, you know, garden, read, draw, listen to music, play music. The world is very boring if everyone's just doing one thing. 
And I sometimes worry. There was definitely a point where I stopped doing all those things because all I did was work and it was fine, but it's taken some work to get them back into my life. So I would definitely encourage people, don't give up everything for work. You have to, you know, you have to keep a balance. That's how the happiest people I know live. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's a great tie into mobile because, and, and to the voice stuff we talked about, that's why we, that's why we love podcasts so much here at the mission, because you can be doing something else. You could be taking a walk. You could be out in nature. You could be going to the gym. You could be doing, hopefully you're not stuck in a car all the time, but you know, you can be doing things that are other than being in front of a screen. And so when you are in front of a screen and you have that three and a half hours that you're on mobile a day, you know, or the whatever, 10 and a half hours that we consume media a day or whatever it is, these are huge, 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 huge numbers. And so as we continue this you know, the rise of mobile and the rise of being these in these sort of things. The one thing it does is it gets you out of a chair in front of a desktop. Totally. I mean, and, and you know, I will say like, I love my phone because I take pictures on it religiously. And part of that is because I post them to Instagram. Like I have yeah. a little thing there. It's totally personal. It has nothing to do with my business life, you know, but it's made me start taking pictures again. There's a great example of how mobile's changed my life and having Instagram as a place to put it, it sort of keeps me taking the pictures or else I'm like, I have 10,000 pictures on my phone that no one ever sees. Like, why do I keep taking pictures? I just think there's a lot of ways to leverage technology in our personal life on our mobile devices for good. And that's happening in business now too. So that's going to be an interesting shift we're walking into in the next 10 years where now the same way I use Headspace and Instagram and Twitter and my email on my personal life, now I'm going to start feeling Salesforce and other applications that are super critical to my work interacting with me in that personalized way on my mobile device as well. I think the most exciting thing about mobile is what our customers are doing with it. Like, for example, there's a university that wants to engage their students with a mobile app that has a campus map on it and a social forum for their students to talk to each other. And they're even thinking about helping their students predict their grades with AI, right? They're building that with Salesforce and they're able to just build and publish that without hiring tons of developers to get that work done. They can do it declaratively with the data set we already have under there. Or you think about a retail chain that's building a mobile app for thousands of their associates and they have to have, they want it to be downloadable from the app store and customized to their look and feel. We have that going on with customers all over the place right now where they're really creating these unique experiences for their employees that allow their employees to react in a really easy way from their mobile device. So more and more we're seeing across the board, all of our customers looking for ways to get more information on the mobile device in a way that makes sense for their users where their users are. You know, and stuff like that is so exciting because you think of just like the small little applications that have been built for things like students, which like like widely pretty forgotten group of people that we spend trillions of dollars on. You think about stuff like that, like Quizlet, the guy I just saw yeah. a thing on social media that, that they're giving the guy who, shot, who created Quizlet. There are so many applications that can be built to help students and that universities can do. I mean, like so many things that, you know, meeting other students and study groups and all that sort of stuff that can really be helped with things, especially like as you, you know, layer in AI. Absolutely. And that's where Salesforce has a real advantage, right? Because we have this built in and even seeing this with Einstein voice and how customers are starting to use that in their mobile experiences. It's going to make a big difference for how everyone sort of sees their interaction between mobile and their applications sort of blurring, if you will. As a app guru in this world, I, people overuse guru, but I think it's fun. Launching mobile apps is a very difficult thing for a lot of people. Could you kind of share, like, I don't know if you have any like 
now you don't need to say best practices, but just like any things that you've you've gleaned over the years as kind of like how to launch mobile apps into app stores and out into the world. Right. Well, I mean, the first thing I'll tell you is that it is hard, right? And one of the things we do at Salesforce is I'll actually do it for you. So we've created through my Salesforce an ability for we'll help you get through that whole process as far as getting apps up on app stores and whatnot. But in general, you know, it really comes down to use case-based testing in lots of instances. I mean, you really, mobile experiences, you, you lose people the minute it doesn't work, right? There's yeah. no like, you get at least a second on the desktop before they get totally angry, right? But on the mobile device, you lose them even quicker. So really testing everything as well as you can and really getting as much access to that as possible and working with other developers. I think that's another thing that we've seen at Salesforce. The more our mobile devs, low-code mobile devs are chatting with each other on our community forums. The more they're sharing experiences, the more we're seeing everyone building better apps. So That's a great point. Yeah, I hadn't thought. I mean, obviously you have developer communities and obviously, you know, with all the stuff GitHub has, it's just like amazing now. But that's a great point that being able to foster those communities, especially of like low-code folks that are actually learning and can share best practices. You know, I, I like to think of the app thing as like, it's like a two-tap test. The first tap is like, does this work? The second tap is like, did I screw it up? And then the third tap is you hitting the circle, the home circle and being like, I'm gonna uninstall this, right? <laughs> Something like that. It sort of is like that. You don't have that long. You really need to win your user quickly on mobile. Okay, are you ready for the lightning round? Okay, I don't know what it is, but yes. Oh man, this is great. Lightning round, it's brought to you by the lightning platform by Salesforce, so hey! it's great. Fast and easy questions, unlike those hard ones that I had earlier, the stumpers, but hey, fast and easy, just like the lightning platform. Ooh, I like it. Yeah. All right, let's go. Number one, what app are you using on your phone that is the most fun? Instagram. Instagram is great. Instagram makes me take pictures, which I love. So yeah. Instagram has a special place in my heart. It got me taking pictures again. Also, you don't have to read the comments. Oh, I don't write any comments and I don't read any. I only look at the pictures. Exactly. You know, my father one time, this is a total, I always do this in the lightning round. <laughs> um, so my dad one time was like, you know, you know, pictures worth a thousand words. And I was a smart, a little, you know, 10 year old. And I'm like, no, 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 it's not. And I was like, I was like, what about this photo? It was like a photo he like accidentally took with his camera of like the side of like a bumper of a car and a tree. <laughs> and the next day waiting for me at the breakfast table was that photo turned upside down with a thousand words handwritten on the oh, back. Oh, that's awesome. I hope you kept it. I should have. Oh, but, man. Uh, All the things we should have kept. And, and knowing the stuff, knowing how he writes, it was probably one sentence uh, <laughs> nonstop. Okay. Anyways, favorite time saving tool. Cozy, which is not something you know about, but it's this thing I use to manage where everyone in my family and I are at all the time. It's so. like in Harry Potter, Molly's clocks <laughs> that shows all of the... Uh, exactly. That's my exactly that. Favorite use of AI or chatbots that you've seen recently? Service Cloud, what they're doing over there. You know, I, service is always key to me, but I've always thought that password reset should be answered by a machine. So seeing that happen in real life makes me euphoric. I love it. Gosh, password reset. I mean, password reset. Every I can I, I can write an algorithm to make that work. I feel like also like <laughs> f seriously, we have fingerprint 
and face reading on our phones. Could we stop with the password reset? But so seeing the machines answer password reset and no human ever having to see that again is like huge progress for me. It makes me clap out loud. We, when I was in the army, we used to have to change. So I had, you have three different devices because you have like regular secret and like super secret. Right, right. For lack of, that's not what it's called. But yeah, um, <laughs> we used to have to change our passwords like every 30 days. And so like when I was in Afghanistan, like all three passwords for all three devices and it can't be any of your previous 10 and it can't have like five digits that are the same or something ridiculous. I don't know. That's not what it actually is for right. those of you. <laughs> but it's something ridiculous. It's basically the most ridiculous password. And I had like a thousand and you can't write them down anywhere oh, and everything. All. Um, and all the IT people would always hang around and check your post-it notes and stuff. Very, <laughs> very, anywho, lightning round, huh? Favorite team sports or otherwise? Warriors, basketball. Favorite podcast or recent book that you've read or listened to? I just read Bear Town. I'm having, I'm very competitive. So I'm having a competition myself to see how many books I can read this year. I'm on 38. Whoa. I was trying to get to 50, but now for my kids told me 40 is my new mark because there's no way I can hit 50. Although I'm ser- seriously thinking that might be a way. Just you got to publish that. Just don't talk to anyone until Christmas, right? <laughs> you should um, publish that. Publish with the mission. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Set I might. Layla's, um, Layla's 40, 40 books. I will of, do uh, it. I, so I, I like Bear Town. It's a good story. It's a little hard to read, but I enjoyed it. Favorite one day getaway in the Bay Area? I really like going to the beach in Marin. Like Ooh, Rodeo s- Beach. Oh, Rodeo. I like it there. I'm going through cool. that little tunnel and then you're sort of over there and dogs are allowed and it's sort of nice. I like it over there. Favorite Dreamforce moment? I really liked the first Equality Summit, like one first women's summit that we put on. That was, a, we all worked really hard to make that happen. That was sort of the fruit of lots of labor. So I was proud of that one. They're always sold out too. It's impossible to get tickets. I've tried to get tickets for like, it's hard to, to get seats. I mean, I know you can walk in and stuff, but so it's hard. We did the Trailblazing Women event oh, here. Yeah, yeah we, we interviewed Lindsay Adonis. Oh, awesome. she's awesome. She was great. Best advice for a first time tech exec? Don't take yourself so seriously. Love it. Famous last words. Anything we missed? I don't think so. I mean, I think I got it all. I, I'm, I, I encourage everyone to reach out to me about mobile. My email is L-S-E-K-A at salesforce.com. Like, I want to talk to people. So I love chatting people up. If they're folks that want to chat, they should send me an email. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot, Ian. That was really fun. Thank you again to our friends at Salesforce. IT Visionaries is brought to you by the Lightning Platform by Salesforce, a leading cloud platform that makes building AI-powered apps faster and easier. With Salesforce, now everyone can build apps for their organization. Learn more at salesforce.com slash buildapps.